Well, good morning, Catawba Baptist Church. It is a, a real, real pleasure and honor to be here. Um, I know I know many of you, but I see a lot of new faces too. And um, as, as Pastor Ron said, um, my name's Rob Jackson. We do go by the Jackson Five, but this is what we call home. This is our home church, and, and many of you um, know me since I was a, a, a wee little man and uh, spent time pouring into me, and, and so um, it is just always just the, the greatest privilege and pleasure to be here and to get to share what God is doing in our lives. I do really quickly want to ask that my family, my, my immediate Jackson 5 there and my mom and dad to stand up really quick and um, if you don't know, my, my mom and dad, Bob and Lynn Jackson, and my wife, Angie, and our oldest, Ava, um, Brooklyn, our, our middle daughter, and then Hayes is our, our youngest. And so um, that's, that's our family. It's, it's really crazy to, to think the last time that, that we shared with you guys, we were really on the front end of, of this whole thing. Um, we, we had really been months into the decision of, uh, of going to the mission field and deciding on Portugal. And so a lot has really happened in a very short period of, of well, short period of time, um, less than two years really. Um, and, and so it's, it's neat now that we're at the end of this, we're at the finish line to be able to really share with you um, what has happened in between to really share what God has done. And so um, we started this journey, it was uh, late, the late part of, of uh, 2019. And um, of course I was on staff at Rawlinson Road as a student pastor, working a full-time job. And, and so um, I didn't step away from that position until the end of, of 20, the start of 21. And so January 21, we really started focusing on support raising. So we've gone a little bit different route than some missionaries. We've gone through a, an agency by the name of ABWE, Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. And, and one of the awesome things about ABWE is they've been preparing and sending missionaries for 90 plus years. And so they've been at this labor for a long time and we just really fell in love with their heart um, for, for missions and for the gospel and, and decided to go that route. But one piece of that is, is raising our own financial support. Well, I can tell you, I didn't look forward to that. Um, there were, you know, many days that I really questioned, God, how are we going to do this? Um, Angie, you know, through the Holy Spirit would oftentimes correct me, Rob, where is your faith at? I would have my up and down days, but like any good wife, she would ground me in truth. And so we started this journey of, of, of support raising and, and just watching God open doors and just do great things. And so one big piece of, of all this is, is of course, uh, training and, and um, we've, we've taken classes and read books and um, our headquarters is in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We've spent weeks at a time up there preparing for the mission field. Um, but we also have to take a survey trip. And the video you just saw was our time um, in Lisbon, Portugal. Um, we were able to take that trip October 2nd. 
We had planned it long before then, but due to COVID, we had to move it twice. And I truly believe that God got us there in His perfect timing. And so October 2nd, we left for Lisbon. Well, you know, we had never stepped foot in Portugal before and um, really didn't know what to expect. But we were greeted by our team there, a, a, a team of church planners that we will be joining that we will be laboring alongside to reach the Portuguese people. Well, it was a blessing to, to, to be with them, to be in great fellowship. But one of the things that we didn't realize we, you know, we would be a part of is they, they had this, this celebration. Um, just a few days into our trip there, we, we learned that there was a celebration between the Portuguese pastors and the missionaries. They were celebrating 40 years of ministry. Now, I, I, I kind of pause and think, man, 40 years of ministry, there must be a lot of good things going on. There must be a lot of churches planted and, and seeing fruit from their labors. But I just want to share with you that as you saw the statistic um, in, the, in the video, that, that statistically speaking, Portugal would be considered an unreached people group because they are less than half a percent evangelical Christians. Now, when I learned that, I really found it hard to believe is, is Europe really in that state, but I can tell you that, that they are. They're so post-Christian, they're so post-modern that they've, they've moved beyond any kind of base religion that was there and and the majority of them were Roman Catholics at one point, or at least in, in name. But as we went to this celebration between the Portuguese ministers and the missionaries, we had this Portuguese pastor that was preaching that day, and he was sharing a message. And, and, and one of the things he shared, I really thank God used to, to transform our hearts to really confirm in us that this was God's will for our lives. He said, by show of hands, I want you to, to show me who in this room was not born Portuguese, not born in Portugal. And church, I can tell you that, that many hands went up in a room much smaller than this. There were many hands that went up. And the next three words he said were this. He said, I want you to look around. He said, see, God loves Portugal. He said, I know this because He is still sending laborers to reach my people. And so we feel like God really spoke to us and confirmed in our hearts that this was His will, that God is indeed sending laborers, not just to Portugal, but to all over the world, to reach the lost for Christ. Well, our time was there. Our time there was very fruitful. There was a lot of answered prayer during that time. I would say not just for Angie and I, but as we, you know, any mom or dad would, uh, you know, would say, you know, your biggest concern is is your is your children. You want them to be okay. You want them to to really embrace what God is doing, not just in in you know our lives, but in their lives and. And as we've learned um, with our mission organization, and one thing that they really poured into our kids this past summer is that you're not just missionary kids, you are kid missionaries. Well, one of the great, uh, I would say, blessings out of our trip 
Um, this past year, Ava started uh, high school, and she had the, the well, she had to pick a, a foreign language to start, and uh, she decided to, to do sign language. And, and Angie and I don't know sign, and, you know, just felt like that was such a, a neat thing, and, and the opportunity was there, and so she did that. Well, when we were in Portugal, we ended up meeting one of our team members who's this young single woman who's partially deaf. Her ministry is to the, the, the deaf Portuguese people. Well, what we found out is that she is translating the Bible in Portuguese sign language, and it's never been done before. Church, she is a hero to me. She, is, she has translated the book of Genesis and is working on the book of Mark. And so I think God really spoke to Ava and just confirmed in her that I have plans for you. I have plans for each of you. This is my plans for your family. And so we just really came away that week feeling so blessed, so, I think, excited and, and ready. And, and, you know, I would... I wouldn't be telling the truth if I, if I didn't say there was a lot of ups and downs in this, whole, in this whole process. But one thing I didn't share with you on the front end of this is that one of our prayers was that God would get us to full financial support in 15 months. Now, I would say that's pretty ambitious. Um, a lot of missionaries that are, that are where we're at, it takes them two to four years to get to full support we're going to a, a major city in, in Europe, and so um, it's, it's not the cheapest place to be moving to with a family of five. But we started full um, support raising in January of 21. We left for Portugal for our survey trip October 2nd, sitting at 37% monthly supported. Well, church, can I tell you, the end of March would have been, would have been 100%. And we were at 100% by the end of February. So I just say, look what God has done. It's what He has done. He has been so faithful in this time. And we trust that He will be faithful in the future. But I just want to tell you, church family, thank you so much. Words cannot describe how grateful we are for you. We know that you have prayed for us. You have supported us financially. You have supported us with encouragement. Some of you may not know, but we are living across the street in the, in the missions house. And, and you know, ministries like that sometimes go unnoticed because it doesn't require a lot of hands-on. There's people that take care of it and, and clean it and do things like that, cut the grass. But 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 you don't often realize the blessing that that, that is. Um, and, and, you know, never having experienced this until now, I can tell you that has been the biggest gift to our family, to be right here, really where we grew up, um, close to, to, to mom and dad and, and work, and, and it's just been the greatest gift. So we just want to tell you thank you. We love you and appreciate you so very much. Well, as we are entering this new season of life, and, and I'm reminded that we really all enter new seasons. We all come into new, these new seasons. And, and Eric, I'll be honest, brother, I feel like you, you, 
you stole my, my, my sermon notes here this morning as you were sharing at the start of service. But sometimes these new seasons are faced with difficulties of all shapes and sizes. Sometimes we kind of get a glimpse of them coming and sometimes they come out of nowhere. But I'm reminded that we serve a, a sovereign God who, who sees all and, and who knows all and who is literally working all things together for good for those that are called according to His purposes. I'm reminded that He allows trials in our lives. In church, He even chooses to discipline us, to shape us. Well, Pastor Ron, I, I looked back at, at some of the, uh, the, the sermons that you've been preaching over the last few months, and, and I noticed that y'all walked through a series on what a disciple is. And there was one I noticed called a disciple is, a, a disciple bears fruit. And so I, I hope, as I, I, don't, um, I don't repeat any of that, but you know, I'm reminded that of the vine uh, and, and the, the branches of the vine. And so I'm reminded that you know, we as disciples sometimes are disciplined. We as disciples do go through trials and, and difficulties. You could say we are battle-tested. And that's what I've titled my sermon this morning, Battle-Tested. And the picture I really want to form in your mind this morning is that of a boxer, that of a fighter. Before he ever steps foot in the ring, he's been through a lot to get to where he is. He spent months, even years, preparing himself, training and, and working out. He's spent time in the ring sparring with, with other boxers. He's been through a lot to get to where he is. You could say that he's tore down his body to build it back up. There's days that he wanted to give up, but he pushed through. He endured much. All right? All of which was used to shape him and to prepare him to fight this fight to win. To win. Well, this morning we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 12, but I think there's some major themes in, in chapters 11 and 12 that really build up to the verses I want to share with you this morning. We see in 11 and 12... This idea of enduring faith, not giving up and keeping our eyes on, on Jesus. And as the writer really is speaking to the Hebrew believers, he is, you know, he was preaching to them, he was encouraging them, he was, you know, really laying out these examples as they faced difficulties, as they faced persecution, as they faced this pull to, to go back to sinful ways, to, to these old ways. And I'm reminded, church, we're no different. We're no different today. We face trials. We face discipline. We face difficulties. But we also face that pull to go back to our old ways. We face that temptation and sin. And yes, some of us face persecution. We may not face it here as much as others, but there are believers across the globe that face much persecution. God is, 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 is working in all these situations. 
And we are encouraged through these words to keep running the race and not to give up. And so as we approach chapter 12, you know that we, we're going to primarily look at verses 7 through 13, but I really want to do some recapping of what's taking place right prior to this. In chapter 11, we get this really this wonderful rapid-fire biography of all these men and women that, that walked with God by faith. We are reminded that they faced many struggles. They went through a lot of trials. Life was not easy following God. Yes, they, they had some mountaintop moments. I mean, we, we think about the prophets of old and, and we think about some of the great things they got to see and the things that God did. But I'm reminded that they faced much difficulty as well. Hebrews chapter 11, 32-38 says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their their dead by resurrection. Now all those things sound good. But he goes on to say, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And yet, church, and yet, they did not give up. But by faith in God, they overcame. And then we reach chapter 12, and the writer reminds us that we are in this race, one of which we need to throw off the weights. We need to throw off the sins that so easily beset us. And we get this beautiful picture of of running with with endurance and and, and striving and really pushing through. And he reminds the Hebrew believers that though they may be facing persecution and trials, he says in in, in verse 3, he says, consider Jesus. He says, consider Jesus. Literally, think on Jesus and what He endured. I think we fail to do that so often. You know, when we face a trial, when we face something difficult, we think, me. Why am I going through this? Woe is me. When he's saying, think on Jesus. Think about what he endured on our behalf. Think about the persecution. Think about the, the, the 40 days he spent in the wilderness being tempted. A temptation that we could we could personally could not withstand. Think on Jesus. Be encouraged by that. And then the writer reminds us, he, he literally quotes Psalms chapter 3, 11 through 12, and, and that's verses uh, 5 and 6 there in Hebrews 12. He says this, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? 
My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary even or, or when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastens every son whom He receives. And that's church where I want us to pick up this morning the discipline of the Lord. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. So if you will... Open your copy of God's Word. Let's look at those verses. It says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In this passage, we get this beautiful picture of a father and a son, a parent and a child, and this idea of discipline. And if we're really honest this morning, I think some folks, some parents, really struggle with this idea of discipline. I mean, who wants to willingly cause pain to your child. It doesn't have to be physical pain. Some children, you can just give them the look and it'll straighten them up. But when you intentionally do that, who wants to do that to their child? I believe some folks struggle to accept that a loving God would discipline His children. Why do you think that is? Why would people question that? Well, I think the answer to the the question of why people would struggle with that is literally laid out there in verse 11. Verse 11 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. But painful. I don't know about you, but I don't like pain. My my whole family would, would attest to that. I don't like pain, especially if it, if it, if it deals with the doctor's office. I'm, I'm staying away from that place as far as I can get. But I don't like pain. I don't like physical pain. I don't like emotional or even spiritual pain. And I'll be honest, church, I, I feel like if we're honest with ourselves, none of us like pain. I think we go to great extents to get away from it. Think about it for a minute. We can so easily bury our minds in, in TV show after TV show just, to, just to, to, to put our thoughts elsewhere. We avoid difficult talks with our spouses because we don't want to have to confront those things inside that, that's hurting us. Some turn to abuse, abuses of, of drugs and alcohol to, to numb themselves and to escape reality. And some folks run to the next relationship thinking that that will be the answer to their problems. 
Yet we read that God Himself at times allows us to experience pain. Matter of fact, the the verses there go beyond that. It says that it is a guarantee as a child of God. Verse 8 says that if we don't, that we are literally illegitimate. We are not His. So that tells me that all of God's children will face troubles, will face discipline, will face trials. It's not the worst of us. Amen. Thank God for that. It is all of us. So I think the, the question really is, what do we do with this? Why would God allow this for us? And I believe He is writing this to the Hebrew believers so that they could be encouraged. So they, they could know that God is good and He has a purpose and plan in it all. And you know, as we think about suffering and pain, you know, I think the world really wrestles with this problem. The issue of pain and suffering and a good and loving God. I, I can tell you, I recently in the past few months have made a new friend, a very unexpected friend who, who doesn't even live in our state. Um, it's, it's crazy how God sometimes brings people together. But this gentleman, as we have spent some time talking, um, I mean, he's really um, in his last days of life. He has... I, want to, I, th- I think it's a, um, his, his liver's failing. Um, I mean, he's just had so much difficulty in life questioning the goodness of God and, and, and why this and why that. And one of the stories he shared with me was that he lost his father at a young age. And I can just, I, I'll be honest, I can just really see how all this, this trouble in his life his questioning and, and, and doubting of the goodness of God really stemmed out of that one event. And so it's not just him that deal with that same issue. We as believers, I think, sometimes question, God, why are you allowing this? Why are you letting this happen in my life? And I think that is the scary part. I think as we, we think about the discipline and trials you know, they can be used by God. Look at, look at verse 11. It says that they may yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Or if we let them, they can send us down paths of doubt. Paths of, of questioning the goodness of God. Oftentimes leading us to want to give up. To think that God is, is in some way punishing us. Well, as I said a minute ago, Our call to missions hasn't been without its own struggles. Last year sometime, as as we were just walking through the process, I hit this period of, I would say, months. I mean, it was several months where I felt like I was just in a dark place. I felt like I was in one of those desert places, if if you know what I mean. There were days I felt like all of hell was coming against me. And, and I just felt like there were these questions and, and, and these doubts that were hitting me. And I just really was like, Lord, where are these things coming from? Now, we have an enemy. We have an enemy that works to, to discourage and, 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 and cause us to question the goodness of God. 
But in my self-righteousness, and, and I'm going to call it that, it was sinful thinking. There were times I'm thinking, Lord, here we are stepping out. We're, we're following You, God. We're doing exactly what You want us to do. Why aren't You answering my prayer? Why aren't You doing this for me, Lord? And see, I think that we oftentimes think, God, if we're doing what's, what You want us to do, we're doing all the right things, we're not going to face tough times. But I see different from that in Scripture. And I'm reminded, I think the Apostle Paul felt this. In, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9, he said, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now in those verses, we see nowhere the originator of his thorn. But we do see this. We see that God was was using this thorn to produce a fruit of righteousness in Paul. Literally, he says that I might not become conceited. God was producing a fruit of humility and humbleness in Paul. But I see this too. God was using that thorn for His purposes, but Satan was using that same thorn. Paul said these words, he said, to harass me. Now, in our limited, I think, English language, Sometimes we take words like that, harass, and we we attribute our own meaning to it. Well, right now is one of my favorite times of the year. I love to be sitting in the woods hunting turkeys this time of year. But with turkey season comes the the birth of mosquitoes. And, you know, those those little buggers will harass you in a lot of ways. I mean, it's amazing how they can find just the one little spot of skin that you don't have covered and go after it. Well, I don't think Paul was, was, was thinking about a little mosquito that he was swatting at. No, I think when Paul was speaking of harass, that Greek word literally means to strike with a fist. To strike with a fist. He was feeling it, church. He was feeling it. A torment. Very, very physical. Very mental torment. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 1 8 and 9, he says he tells the Corinthians believers for we do not want you to be unaware brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. So do you see the purpose in what all this struggle, all this difficulty was? It was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Hebrews 12, verse 10, the writer says, but He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. See, church, God has plans for the trials. He is working something deeper 
in us. And I'll be honest, I really don't understand this progressive Christian movement that's going through our country. And it's really going way beyond our country and in other parts of the world. You know, a a gospel that preaches that, you know, if I have enough faith, I won't experience trouble. If I have enough faith, I'll have all the money that I need. If I have enough faith, I'll never experience poverty. If I have enough money, I'll never experience sickness. If I have enough faith, I'll be healed. That's not what I read in Scripture. I see difficulty. I see times of trial. But I see purpose in it all. I see the goodness of God in it all. So see, our discipline and trials, the enemy will use. He will try to creep in, as Paul stated, and tell us all kind of lies. God doesn't love you. He's turned away from you. You're not even His. He's punishing you. Saint, can I tell you this morning, you're not being punished. He loves you. Jesus has taken the punishment for you already. You are His masterpiece. You are His handiwork. And He is doing this work of of conforming and shaping you into the very image of His Son. You are being made righteous and holy. That is what He is doing. See, we serve a 